Welcome to the Not Last Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez. Today, I'm talking with bike racer and renowned custom frame builder, the man, the myth, the legend, and my good friend, Rob English. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Hi, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited that you are... Um, here and have made the time to to chat with me this evening. I guess it's evening. Yeah, evening. <laughs> um, well, the first list on my on my thing of questions was was what's your name, but I think we've covered that. Um, so I guess we jump straight <laughs> jump straight into it. Um, can you talk a little bit about? We're going to cover a lot of topics today. Um, I know you've tuned into this little little shindig before. And I've listened to a couple episodes, and you know, kind of the preface is that it's um, one. It's entailing my journey towards trying to make um, make a, an Olympic uh, dream a reality, but two, it's also trying to share the stories of other riders and racers and athletes and, and other people that I find inspirational and find um, uh, that or and believe that they have a really good story to share. Um, and I know you've been interviewed from multiple different. Um, you know, bicycling magazines and have been to many shows and have done all this, but I think primarily they talk a lot about you as a frame builder. And today I kind of want to talk a little about, tonight I want to talk a little bit about your kind of background and pedigree as a bike racer. And because I know that's pretty equal part to um, to being a frame builder and, and kind of inspiration for your designs. So can you tell um, our wide uh, listener group, i.e., my mom and um, probably my wife. <laughs> um, kind of what your what your and my cats. Don't forget my yeah, cats. Yeah. Uh, kind of what your occupation is, and and what is it exactly that you do uh, currently? Uh, so I am an independent custom frame builder, um, one man operation, and um, it's funny actually when I. It seems obvious that I ended up doing this retrospectively in that I, uh, since I got really into mountain biking as a teenager and started making bike parts in high school and, and stuff, um, like I kind of knew I wanted to work in the bike industry and mm-hmm. um, having watched my dad struggle with various corporations throughout his career kind of knew ultimately I wanted to work for myself. so. Okay. Retrospectively, it seems obvious that oh yeah, custom frame builder could be a good <laughs> good route, but it was never a goal. Um, oh okay. Uh, so I, uh, you know, took the right classes in high school, uh, built my first bike in high school, age fifteen, um, and built a bunch of components and tools and assorted things in shop class, um, and then went on to study mechanical engineering um, at university, all with kind of uh, getting into the bike industry in mind. Um, and probably like a lot of mechanical engineering graduates did the usual thing of writing to all the big companies and saying, hi, me, I'm awesome. And of course, you don't even hear back from most of them. Um, did you hear and, back from any of them? Uh, I think I had a thank you from Marion or something. Or oh, well done. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, so this is, when you were at university, you were, at, you were in Cambridge, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Were you racing on the Cambridge team? Did they have a cycling club? They did, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so when I went at age 18, when I went to university, um, I'd been mountain bike racing for 
three years or so. Um, mm -hmm. But I'd never ridden with a group on the road. I'd never done any road racing or time trialing. Um, okay. I got to Cambridge and it's uh, out on the fens in Ang East Anglia in England. And um, it's like, okay, guess I'm not mountain biking or not much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd always, you know, I'd watch the Tour de France on TV and I sure. made myself a set of aero bars and put them on my bike and like go out and pretend to be Greg LeMond and, um, and Miguel and Jorain and, you know, um, but I'd never, I'd never trained, I'd never, uh, competed, but, you know, just my mountain bike club went out, we rode twice a week all year and, mm -hmm. and that's what we did. And, um, so got to Cambridge and joined the, joined the cycling club and, uh, they do a, uh, a, a Saturday afternoon ride every week and, um, every single week that first time I'd get about 30, 35 miles in and I'd blow up and get dropped and <laughs> have to find my way back to town from somewhere out in the countryside. This um, is eerily similar. I understand <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, and then there was the, the Tuesday afternoon ride, which was the same, I don't know, 20, 25 mile loop every mm -hmm. week. And, and it was, you know, steady on the way out and then a complete hammer fest on the way back. And oh, okay. it took me probably doing that ride 20 times before I even realized that we came back in on the same road we went out on because <laughs> I'd be so just completely cross-eyed staring at the wheel in front of me um just trying to hang on um but but you know, yeah a, go ahead no, a lot a lot of that was um understanding how to how to eat and how to take care of myself on a, yeah because mountain biking yeah, we'd hammer a bit of section of single track, stop and chat. We'd go to the store, get some food, ride a bit more. Um, sure. Whereas road riding, learning how to eat and drink the night before and then eat and drink during the ride. Um, and as I figured those things out and got fitter, um, you know, suddenly I was able to be at the front of the rides. And um, I was one of the few students who actually put um, mud guards, we would call them, but fenders here on, <laughs> on my bike. And our kit was white, so was this was this mudguards as a courtesy to you or as a courtesy to others? Both. Oh, okay. All but right. most of the students just had one bike and didn't bother. Oh, sure. And so I didn't want to get on my white, white kit all splattered with road grime. So right. I rode on the front the whole ride, and whoever was next to me would swap out. But I refused for anyone to ride in front of me, and <laughs> so you get stronger because if you're going to do that, <laughs> sure, <everybody>. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was my student's cycling experience. And I started racing time trials there. Um, and I remember my, my first 10 mile time trial was on my, uh, my $350 bottom of the range Trek mm -hmm. with a set of clip on aero bars and a, like a baggy mountain bike Jersey and, um, 10 mile time trial. And I did, uh, 23 minutes and 47 seconds or something. Um, <laughs> All um, right. Yeah, that's not terrible. Um, that's respectable. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and yeah, and I was like, hey, I like this. This is, this is kind of cool. You can go out and see if you can go quicker the next week. And um, time trialing is such a big sport in England that sure. uh, you can race four or five times a week mm. all season. So that's what I ended up doing um, sure. for a while there. Um, well, and you are you are a respective time trial specialist. Like this, this is what you do. Well, now uh, you're 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I struggled. I struggled for a while there. That I. It was a weird thing with speed that I maxed out at twenty six and a half mile an hour, and that's what I would average in every single time trial. And so if it was a a hilly time trial or there was it was bad weather, mm-hmm. I'd do really well because I'd go. Oh, sure. <laughs> but if it was a, a flat, fast time trial, I'd do terribly compared to anybody else. Oh, funny. Uh, and it was funny. It just took a bit, <laughs> you know, just figuring out how to train and just keep keeping at it mm-hmm. um, and uh, eventually got faster. Um, and you did, did you, you did time trials as well as uh, road racing also, right? Yeah, so... Oh. The Cambridge Club at that time, there wasn't anybody else road racing, and I was oh, really? intrigued by it. Yeah, it was weird. It was like it was a whole bunch of testers, um, which is hmm. you know what, what the British call time trialists. Um, <clears throat> okay. And uh, but you know, I, I rode with some of the town town riders too, and some of those road raced, and um, I did the Cambridge Chain Gang is this this institution of the. Uh, I think it was Tuesday evenings or Thursday evenings, I forget. But um, but it was a very regimented double pace line that really, and people would instruct you. And so I, I was, I learned how to ride in a group safely and correctly oh, and sure. how to hold a wheel and follow the, the wheel. The chain and, gang, the Cambridge the, chain the, gang? The chain gang, yeah. It's an, Is I, it still a thing? Oh, yeah. I heard um, an interview with Emma Pooley the other day, and that's where she learned, oh, wow. to, where she learned to road race too. Like, that's amazing like the first time she got round the chain gang was like a huge success huh. um uh so yeah so that was great so then when i went into a road race i kind of had a sense of how to position myself and be safe sure. and, and those things and so the category system in the uk at the time was the entry point is, a, is fourth category there you go okay. three two one elite mm-hmm. um and it's it's points based each season you have to get enough points to either move up or retain your category okay. um so my, my first my first road race was this local evening road race that was all categories so it was elite down to fourth okay. and uh somehow i got myself in the break of five and i'm on my 350 dollar trek <laughs> staring at the guy in front of me was gary baker was currently leading the national rankings at that point and i remember having like a set of uh, campy chamal wheels on him and i remember thinking like his wheels worth more than my bike at one wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just i'm just chewing on my stem just like sure yeah i'm not gonna get dropped just hanging on and um uh stayed with him through the last lap and then completely tactically you know i had no idea messed it up those ended up getting dropped by all four of them but rode in solo to finish fifth by myself and immediately got enough wow. points to go up to third category and i was like all right, maybe maybe I can road race. Maybe I can, sure, yeah. Maybe this is what I'm good at, and it's um, that tenacity to like not get dropped no matter what um, is something I have apparently. Uh, is that so. is that a is that consciously a big like a motivating factor for you? You know, you're like you're you're not dropping me today, like that. You, you, right. Uh, yeah. No. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's been I th- I've someone I've rode and raced with here in Eugene said that to me once he'd never seen anybody as competitive as me but it's just like <laughs> i think that's fair <laughs> having known you for as long as i have i think that's totally fair um so uh yeah that and it, it turned out as i did more races i actually had a, a reasonable head for reading the race tactically sure um and as i gained confidence with that um 
yeah, we kind of, kind of got, got to really enjoy that. And so, and it, it complemented doing the time trialing as well. Um, yeah. And then I threw uh, track into the mix as well. So I ended up you know, racing three different disciplines at different times of year. And um, <laughs> yeah, good times. Okay, so you you started to enter into track racing, and so you've you've crossed crossed the threshold into every discipline, almost of, of um, except for BMX. Did you ever race BMX? No, I okay. didn't. That's well, the then we'll, one, we'll one keep I've that done, one off the list. Yeah, done mountain bike, uh, cross country, endurance, downhill. Um, trials. I didn't race downhill. I knew you did I trials. Did, yeah, I did the, did the student downhill champs. Wow. Um, just because we were there and like. What the hell? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and this is, you know, this is back in the day when you would use the same bike for all disciplines, right? Right. So, um, right. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I did win. They did a um, one summer Nottingham University put on the, the unofficial student dual descender championships. Like a so, dual slalom course kind of uh, Not thing? slalom because there's no poles. You're on the, it's two riders on one course. Oh, oh wow! And it's a short, it's a short course okay. um, with jumps and and stuff. And um, and so I had I had this mountain bike I'd set up as my trials bike, so fully rigid um, and flat pedals. And mm-hmm. um, so I took that and just like that was good for a laugh. Um, but I had I put I, actually I took the flat pedals off. I put clipless pedals on for this. Okay. And at the, at the start, like I can track stand right, so both feet clipped in track stood and the guy next to me is on flat pedals with one foot on the ground <laughs> nobody's going to beat me off the line no not at all not a chance <laughs> right and uh um and then once i was in front like yeah i, I would handle the jumps terribly but but he no couldn't get, could around, get around, around me yeah <laughs> so i kept progressing it was, you know, it was a just a uh a, a, a winner goes through oh um, okay round system so sure. i kept kept working my way through the field um and then the final end up against this uh, Cannondale-sponsored racer um, who knew what he was doing. And uh, <laughs> it was could he also track stand? Well, no, but it was he'd also figured out which of the left and right lanes was the better one. Oh, sure, okay. Um, and uh, it was best of three. All right. And he got the the better right-hand lane on the on the first on the first go. Mm-hmm and got in front of me and won it and then second one i had the good lane so i won that one so i was like oh crap what am i gonna do now and i was like well all i've got to do is get my handlebar just in front of his and then move over because then he either has to break or hit the tree sure one one of those two things. sure okay so it just did, did the mother of all starts as hard as i could and then just boff the bike over and um and he had to break, and I ran it out for the win. Um, wow, well and that, done. That's the one and only time in my racing career where I actually got to do the whole champagne bottle on the podium. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which, was, which was great. That's pretty um, great. So, yeah. Yeah, well so, yeah, done. I've ra- raced, B- yeah, BMX is one of the few things I haven't raced. I've done a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, so what does, I mean, you, you've had some success, that's for sure. Um, and I know that, you know, bringing that into to present time in the last couple of years, that you've also had some some pretty good success racing here in the states and racing in in Eugene and and through um, Obra and whatnot. Um, is there? 
I mean, you've you've also raced at a pretty high level when you were in in England, right? You you know, I I know for a fact that you were in a race against Matt Stevens when he was the <laughs> the the national champion, right? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, so... I know you've seen some success. Um, but what is your kind of what is your barometer for success? Has that changed over over the your racing career? Has it? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely changed. Um, so racing in England, um, you know, time trialing and road racing were were goals, and mm-hmm. um, road racing is a clear structure. You know, I wanted to be make elite category. Okay, um, so I went from that was the goal. To, sure. Yeah, I went from fourth to second category in my first season. Mm-hmm. Second to first, my second season, mm-hmm. and then first to elite, my third season. And like, it's hard to get to elite. You have to get two hundred points. Um, but I've always been really consistent. Like, I don't think I finished outside the top twenty in any road race I did in three years. Wow. Um, huh. So I could chip away at points, and I sure. would get, I would win one road race a year, typically. Um, okay. And that would just so, push you through to the. To the next one or yeah or, and then getting to elite yeah. i managed you know the points on the track counted too so i just managed to like scrape the, the 200 <laughs> points to get to elite and one of the fun things about that was uh, i think i was the only elite category rider in the uk with hairy legs um, <laughs> you didn't shave your legs yet nope nope refused <laughs> to and it was fantastic because people would not expect you to be good oh funny so it's a psychological advantage of like being discounted was sure. fantastic. So I could attack and they go, oh, he's, who's that guy? I've got him. You got but hairy yeah. legs. <laughs> Eventually people got to know who I was and um, and it was kind of fun when some of the, the pro riders and stuff would, you know, like it when I was in the breaks, they knew I'd work and like, sure. and things. Um, sure, well you were you were motivated, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So I made it up to elite category and then there's not that many races you can do, unfortunately, as an elite. Huh. So I had to travel to do the Premier Calendar Series, which is the, uh, you know, the the pro level races in the UK. Okay. Um, and I'm still just an independent. I was on a little local team, but I was the only guy racing at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but but that was that was pretty cool. That um, ultimately I didn't like it because it got kind of nasty. Uh, I remember doing the Archer Grand Prix and. Um, you know, there was Roger Hammond and his teammate, and I just watched them on TV in the um, Tour of Flanders the weekend before. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they're just they're cursing and swearing at people and stuff, and it's just like, I don't want to be around this. Like, it's like, sure. I'm here to be yelled at. I just sure. want to ride my bike. And, um, so I got kind of disappointed with the attitudes at that level of the sport, um, and that's when I went back to mountain biking. Uh, and uh, okay. took a break from road racing for a while. Um, but I did, you know, had that one day in. I always had this thing like I kind of discovered that if I was if I had a really really exceptional day, mm-hmm. then I could be up there with some of the best in the country. Sure. Um, and my best experience of that was the Tour of the Peak, which was the the hilliest probably the hardest one-day race in the country. When was that? Uh, uh, this would have been after I, after I graduated. So uh, this is way back in <laughs> <laughs> 99, 2000, something like that. Okay, all right. Um, and 
<laughs> my uh, my very patient mother went along with me to hand bottles up, and um, we got there late, so like scrambling around to get the bike ready, get signed on, and and then uh, again got myself in the break, and um, and it got established. And I'm looking around and going, oh. There's Chris Newton, world champion. There's Rob Hales, world champion. There's you know, like all these guys in the break. I was super intimidated. Um, and did you have a better bike by then? Did you have better than your three hundred dollar trek, or were you still on uh, the thing? No, no, no. That only lasted. Uh, I got a new road bike uh, my second season. Ah, uh, well done. I, I was working at a, a trek dealer, so I picked up a one of the original OCLV frames. Um, oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, so I had the bike was fine, um, <laughs> but that it was cool. That race was on on British Eurosport, so I got on TV. Oh wow! Um, okay, which my teammates uh, uh, were pretty psyched. Yeah, um, that's pretty great. And um, and yeah, and then yeah, the, the race continued, and this, these world champions are getting dropped out of the back of this break, and I'm still there. Um, <laughs> but I didn't quite have the confidence to actually follow moves. I was more just trying to survive. Just shadowing. Yeah, sure. Um, and you know, so I was a bit disappointed with myself afterwards, but I, I got twelfth, and um, it was a good day out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay, so so sum it up for me. What is what is your favorite race to race of all of the races you've ever done? What like what what's the the top? It's really hard because I've done so much varying I know. stuff. Okay, yeah. all right. Let's let's break it down by by category. So, best <laughs> favorite road race. Uh, probably the Tour of the Peak. Just yeah, okay. Because of that performance and just being up in the really hilly Peak District. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, favorite time trial. Um. I'm going to adjust that to be because it is a time trial of a sort, but hill climbs. Okay. Um, well, I was going to ask hill climbs, uh, but all right. Well, yeah. then we'll, we'll put in. Yeah. So the, the wonderfully named northern town of Ramsbottom. Ramsbottom. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Where is, the, where a, is that? Uh, just north of Manchester. Okay. Um, has a, a wonderful race on a course called The Rake. Okay. And um, it's 25% gradient. It's it's a two and a half minute race Oof. Um, and when they do it they close the second half of the road and there's barriers up and a live commentary and so you've got like Tour de France style crowds four or five deep oh, either wow. side of the road um, and uh, it's a fantastic event I mean it's one of those ridiculous things where you, you drive three hours and then warm up for half an hour to do a a two and a half minute event but um <laughs> so i know a lot of these like hill climb specialists they'll do it on fixed gears did you do it on a fixie or uh, I, were you I, on a gear i tried bike? that yeah i, I tried fix it, fixie for the first hill climb season i did and um it's okay but you have to get down the hill again <laughs> and it would kill my legs coming down yeah sure because you're spinning this tiny gear and trying to hang on to your <laughs> pathetic front brake to like, slow you down um so i was much more comfortable on to strip my road I could make my road bike as light um, sure okay and so yeah I'd be on gears um, how did you do in that race uh, never managed to win the rake I think I got third a couple of times and then when nationals was on it it was you know, the best chance I had of a, a national medal mm-hmm. um, 
and I got fourth. The closest I ever came Bull. to an individual, individual <laughs> national medal. <laughs> well, that's pretty good still. That's nothing to, to be ashamed yeah, of. No, that's I, great. Yeah, no, I, I, ha- I was happy. Um, so, <laughs> okay, how about um, uh, favorite mountain bike race and favorite track race? Huh. Um, so, mountain bike race, the, my local race series back home... Mm-hmm. So I did the from when I first started mountain bike racing through to when I left the country. I raced, did the races these guys put on, so I knew them all. Okay, and they had this uh, enduro, which was um, seven laps of a ten mile course. All right, in my, in in the woods out the back of my house, um, and um, I'd been second and third in it, and and that last year before I left the country was like. I wanted to win that race. Sure. Well, it's it's liter- quite literally your backyard, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Sure. Um, and there was this um, sponsored rider who'd who'd won it the last three years. Um, but I went in, and uh, there's the one section of single track that I used to ride on my way to work, and like I had that section nailed. So the first <laughs> lap through, I just went for it through there, dropped everyone, mm-hmm. um, and then put my head down. But Jamie behind me never gave up. So I was getting time checks every lap. And it'd be like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, <laughs> 35 seconds. As I said, so there's never... And you know, imagine by a race, you can get a flat, you can break your chain, you can, you know, right. things can change really quickly. So right. just, it was just that head down, keep eating, keep drinking, and just sure. like get there. So that, the satisfaction of winning that race was, was immense. Oh, I um, bet. I bet. That was, yeah. 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 So that, that was, that was pretty great. Okay. So last but not least, favorite track event or, or place you, you've raced on the track. Um, so I've been fortunate to um, race in, in, on the indoor track in Manchester at the student championships. Oh, really? Oh, that's um, cool. And doing the team pursuit there was so fun. Um, like we di- we didn't have a track to practice for, on so for those who who don't know give a give a 30 second synopsis of what a team pursuit is uh 4000 meters so um mm-hmm. it's a 250 meter track okay uh, one team of four starts on one side of the track one team of four starts the other okay and you tr- and you try and catch the guys in front of you um awesome and uh <laughs> it's it's fabulous because you you swing up the banking to go from the front to the back when you've done your effort. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, you're doing, you know, 32, 34 mile an hour or so. <laughs> and that, that feeling of being on the aero bars and up the banking straight back down to a few inches off the wheel. Um, and you're just hanging on and you can just go, it's such a controlled environment. You can just bury yourself. Sure. Um, how long of an event is this? Uh, about four and a half minutes for us at wow. that level. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it was funny because in the final we made it to the final we basically had a th- we had one guy who would do the first lap for us and then disappear because he wasn't strong enough so then we had three of us who were on a okay. good level to, to do it and um, ended up up against Manchester in the final of course their home track they practice there all the time they right. know how to do this whereas we were getting faster every round as we figured it out um, and uh, towards the end of the race on the I was on the front and you know completely losing everything you know just like, <laughs> see you can hear can just sure just trying to keep pedaling and um and they were shouting at me stay down stay down and i 
I had no idea what that meant. Didn't know what they were talking about. And it turns out they were try the other the Manchester team was catching us, and they didn't want me to pull up the track. Oh, because then you cause just crash out the team. <laughs> right. So I didn't understand, and I swung up the track into their line. Oh God. Because um, you don't look over your shoulder; you just move. It's like right. <laughs> and um, fortunately, no one crashed out but they were they were really pissed off because uh, they, they, were, they were on they were on track for a student record and i was just like just had to be apologetic i had no idea they were there <laughs> well i mean win win some lose some i guess right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but i missed the track it's a shame there's no track here yeah i i do wish someday mark my words i i will bring a track i will build a velodrome in eugene someday Very good. it'll happen yeah. um Okay, so anything else you want to touch on on racing? I want to get into talking about your bikes and and the bikes that you make. But any any last little tidbits on on this before we transition? I'm uh, just talking about about favorite races. I'd say my favorite race the last <coughs> few years has been the uh, Swift Summit 200. Yeah, what's um, that? Talk about uh, that. So it's out of Lebanon in Oregon, and it's uh -huh. a 200-mile um, that goes through all this wonderful countryside, tiny little roads. Um, and it starts in the dark, uh, and, uh, and it, you know, I've done it since its inception, um, about three or four years ago. Okay. And, um, Trevor puts on a fantastic event and that, that, you know, with racing curtailed this year, that was the one event I was really kind of looking forward to because sure. I've, I've got better at endurance stuff, you know, later in my career and, um, <laughs> the first the first year he put it on um i i dropped everyone on the first hill at like mile five and soloed the next 195 miles to the, <laughs> to the finish um uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah um are you yeah. are you training for anything now oh who knows right i just Ten tentatively training for anything now. <laughs> Let me amend that. Yeah, I'm just. Sure. I just want to. I just want to be fit. Sure. Um, I just realised this year that having the fitness to go and do these big 130, 150 mile loops where I can really get out into the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. um, is so satisfying and so enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and so I want to be able to be able to do that next summer, okay. regardless of if there's events or not. Right. Um, Hopefully, we'll have yeah. events. I, I'm. I'm very hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, last bike racing question. Favorite race to watch? Um, this was an interesting one to think about um, and made me think about races I have been to watch. And oh, okay. the favorite race to watch is when there's someone I really care about racing. So, oh, interesting. like last year, watching my wife race the duathlon uh -huh. was fantastic. Sure like it makes it so special because it's like I'm actually I'm really invested in the person I'm watching oh I like that answer um, that's yeah. great <laughs> yeah um, so yeah okay. that would be my answer yeah yeah kings to you that's that's a great answer I like that <laughs> okay so I'd like to talk now a little bit about um, your silly little seat stays and silly steel bikes that you build um i'm kidding they're they're not silly they're pretty neat i have a couple um but uh for, for yeah <laughs> i'm one to talk right um 
but <laughs> but uh, talk a little bit. Just kind of preface people with, or preface whoever's listening to this with what um, what you what type of bikes you typically build, um, and what you typically build in. Like what what materials do you build in carbon fiber, yeah. or, or or what do you do? Um, so I come at bike design and bike building as an engineer and as a performance cyclist. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really functional design. Um, you know, there is an aesthetic component of course, but it's very secondary for me. Um, and I think, you know, form follows function pretty well. Sure. Um, I build in steel predominantly. Mm -hmm. I might glue in a carbon tube here and there, but predominantly steel. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's uh, <laughs> part of me has always been anti-establishment. Like, if everyone's doing something, I'm going to do the opposite. Sure. Um, you know, <laughs> this is like, I've always been that way. Okay. Um, for for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> and and you know, as an engineer, you look at the the material properties, and you realize that steel is like a really high performance material like it's you know how how so pretty much why, the, why the stiff, steel well it's pretty yeah. much well it's pretty much the stiffest material commonly used in in uh bike building okay um you know the very high modulus carbons can approach it um but steel's modulus is is very high and it's also very strong and has great fatigue resistance mm -hmm. um it's easy to work with it's you know continually recyclable mm -hmm. um that's true yeah and um and yeah and it's kind of it kind of felt like it's had a quite a good resurgence now but for a while there it was like the forgotten material and people didn't think oh if you're riding a steel bike well you can't win anything on that or right well i mean like, the oh, even yeah. still you know I, and working in the bike shop uh, for the last 15 years it's like steels steel bikes are heavy touring bikes period end of story do you know <laughs> right, and like that's right. that's the the perpetuation from a lot of from well from almost every large bike manufacturer is that well the steel bikes the trek 520 the quintessential steel bike is 36 pounds and steel <laughs> and so it's slow it's mm -hmm. sluggish it's it's all of that so i so, mean yeah um but it's interesting, right? So I've, the way I was raised um, was to be very, make careful consideration of any purchases. And okay. then when you, when you invest in something, look after it and keep it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So when I bought that um, Trek OCLV in 1997, um, uh, that was a big investment as a student. Sure. Um, and Broke college so kid with a carbon bike. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I upgraded the components gradually, but I raced that bike for 11 years. Wow. And there's very few people who don't upgrade their racing bike. Yeah, certainly. But that I didn't see any reason to it. performed great. It was, sure. Uh, nor, I was normally on the lightest bike in any field because I'd been careful with how I built it up. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so that was the bike I was racing on when I, when I came here. And... It'd be interesting. I, you know, if I hadn't started building bikes, I suspect I'd still be racing on it. Like, do you still have the bike? Great. Like, 
the frame is hanging in the attic. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's, oh, uh, cool. I would like to put it back together at some point, um, just for nostalgia. Sure. Yeah. Um, but um, it was only when I ended up working at a bike factory and like um, started messing around with stuff. It's like, oh, maybe I can try some things out here. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, discovered that you could make a really light, really high performing, great handling, great fitting bike out of steel. So, so most most of like the pro peloton bikes are you know in the fifteen sixteen pound range. What what kind of weight do you see in in your steel bikes that you build? What kind of comparable weight or better weight do you see in your steel bikes? Yeah, so I think. You know, I build some of the probably some of the lightest steel bikes out there, mm-hmm. um, but they're still going to be, you know, in a decent amount heavier than the lightest carbon frames. Sure. But then it's what you do with the rest of the components. Right. If you take the the time and the money to invest in uh, the lighter components, mm-hmm. then you know I've I've built a steel bike that weighed under ten pounds, complete, ready to ride. Wow. Yeah. Um, and my 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 general racing bike, I think, with the the clincher wheels on it, is thirteen and change or something. Sure. Um, so the yeah, weight is pretty darn the weight is yeah the weight <laughs> the weight isn't a barrier right um, at all. Um, right. And when you consider you can get a better fit, and uh, I I like the way my bikes ride. Um, the industry's starting to come around to the idea that stiffer isn't better. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's part of my process is customers come to me and say, I want, oh, I want a really stiff bike. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about what that means. And, um, and so what, what, what does that mean in, in your opinion? Like what, why, I mean, I know you've been preaching this, well, you've been <laughs> preaching this to me for a very long time and, and we've been preaching this to the, those in the area for a while, but why, yeah. why, why do you say that? So the the main stiffness you can feel when you're riding is the torsional stiffness of the frame. So that's okay. the ability of the frame to twist between the planes of the wheels. Okay. Um, and so if you're on a very flexible bike, if you get out the saddle and sprint, you can, you can feel if a bike is not torsionally stiff enough because mm-hmm. you'll kind of feel it Noodle twist around. and flex yeah. underneath okay. you. Yeah. Um, so what... When I first started building, you know, I had the, the ability to experiment. Um, mm-hmm. And so I could build a bike and, uh, and ride it for a while and mm-hmm. see what the characteristics were and then cut a tube out, put a different tube in and go ride it some more and see what that per- did. Perks of steel, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I did that not just for me, but with some friends as well to get mm-hmm. their feedback for different size and weight riders. Um, and so to kind of discovering that... I could build a bike that felt very comfortable, but that pushing hard into a downhill corner would start to feel vague mm-hmm. because it didn't have enough torsional stiffness. So really pushing hard, the wheels would move out of plane and it didn't feel good. Okay, yeah. But conversely, if it's too stiff there, you know, our roads aren't, aren't glass smooth. If you're on a, on a track or something, then stiff bike is going to be great. Right. But on our rough roads um you want a little bit of flex torsional flex in the frame so the wheels can kind of hunt and find the best way 
best road surface to roll on. Okay, um, that makes sense. As opposed to a stiff frame where that wheel will chatter and like bounce out from underneath you when you're really pushing hard. Sure. Um, yeah, I've I've had plenty of bikes that just rattle my teeth out um, because they're just super stiff. Yeah. Yeah, so you can get round the corner faster on the bike that has the right amount of flex. Better the, tracking, sure. The size and right size and weight rider. Mm-hmm. Um, so through experimenting with myself and with others, you know, I feel like I now have a a really good sense of what tubing to use for a given size and weight of rider that's gonna just really ride really well and sure. be confidence inspiring on the downhills and um, but you can still get out of the saddle and sprint like crazy and you're gonna go um, right right I, re- I remember the first um, the first bike you the first bike I had Rob build for me Rob you are Rob first bike you <laughs> you built for me um, was my was to replace my old uh, race bike um, and I remember the first ride I was on it and it was it was unreal because it fit like a glove because it was exactly to my measurements right so like that was great but I don't think I've ever had a bike that really just wanted to go like you can wind it up in a sense and like and really get that sucker moving and it just it was so quick underfoot and it still is I mean I still have it and race it all the time but like um, yeah, I, I was, I was very shocked. Um, on my first impression on that bike was, was pretty phenomenal. I don't know. Every English does come with a, a hidden motor in the, in the bottom bracket. So oh, is that the problem? Well, I haven't, <laughs> you put a Chris King bottom bracket in there, so I haven't had need to pull it. Uh, I understand. Okay. And the penny drops. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so yeah. what, what would you say? I mean, I know uh, you've built more and more bikes and you continue to build more and more bikes, but um, would you say that your kind of engineering and some of your, your processes have, have changed and evolved over time? Like, have you continued to refine and, and, and better your process? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. it's, um, you know, I've, I've studied um, lean manufacturing and Toyota production systems and stuff mm-hmm. um, a lot, and I try to apply that even to my one-man shop of mm-hmm. um, uh, improving efficiencies of process and improving the product. Um, sure. And so it's just the incremental, like, can I do this a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently or, mm-hmm. you know, e- each time. So it's it's always, always on that pursuit of can I build the perfect frame with the per- perfect methodology? Um, and, you know, you never get there, but it's that continuous pursuit. Sure. Um, so I have to ask this question, but and I, and I ask it because um, if anyone has ever trolled the comments in your comment section for any of the gorgeous bikes that you put out, um, I always see this common thread of like, these bikes are just pieces of art. Like they're not meant to be ridden. They're not, you know, they're just, they're just really pretty bikes that someone's going to go ride to a cafe and... And then they'll sip espresso and put on their Rafa jersey and and roll on home, you know, and do a 10k ride and call it good for this ten thousand dollar bike or whatnot. So, <laughs> so like, what like what is your? I'm curious to hear what your reaction is or your response is to that that question of like, oh, these are these are just pieces of art. Like those seat stays are just seat stays are just too skinny. Like this thing doesn't really doesn't really do anything more than just look good. Um. I had to put you on the spot with that. It was just people who aren't educated and 
Um, <laughs> if you know your materials and know some basic engineering, then sure. uh, you can see the function and see the design intent. Um, mm -hmm. And and everyone's entitled to to their opinion, and that's that's fine because I've got plenty of people riding the crap out of these bikes. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, fair. And uh, um, and yeah, it's. I think the the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Sure. Like, I, I I know I know asking this that's a very superficial question to ask, and I and I'm fully aware of of what I just asked you, but. Um, <laughs> And I, am, I think I think I am I am testament to that proof in the pudding that I just ride the crap out of my bike all the time, you know. But do you want the, do you want the, do you want the technical answer? To yeah, give me the technical answer. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the rear triangle of a bicycle, the the chain stays are triangulated across the the rear hub axle, and that triangle provides all the lateral stiffness of the of the back end. Okay. Um, so you can actually ride a bike with no seat stays and. It'll be a bit flexible, but you can ride it. Okay. Um, so the, the seat stays are just a prop. They're just there to, um, to stop the dropouts moving upwards. So um, they're really just loaded under compression then? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And steel tubing loaded in compression is incredibly strong. Sure. Um, now, its failure mode would be buckling, and even the, tu even the small diameter tubes I'm using are still way under you know way overbuilt for the load you, um, you're saying you could go thinner well i have done on my personal bikes i'm down to the bike i just built has eight millimeter seat stays with 0.7 millimeter wall thickness wow um holy cow so it's like smaller tubing than most racks um <laughs> sure and it's totally fine like, now i mean you you yeah. can't do that though and correct me if i'm wrong but you you like that's the only part of the bicycle that you could do that. Like you couldn't put that into any other part of the bicycle. Uh, yeah, unless you're going to build a space frame like a, a Moulton. Yeah. Then no. Because um, okay. every other tube is uh, loaded either in torsional and or um, uh, sorry, losing the plot of the opposite of compressive loading. <laughs> Tensile loading. Um, oh, okay. And uh, so, yeah. But just going through the frame and thinking, what are the forces that are happening here? What is this structure sure. needing to do? Sure. And trying to optimize for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. And then I think you know, like you said earlier, that you know, um, yeah, your bikes are first and foremost meant to be ridden, and then if they look nice afterwards, then that also follows. You know. <laughs> Almost the, the, well, the, the, yeah, I don't really um, care what they look like. Um, this is where people well, ask that's me. That's ironic. For, uh, <laughs> <laughs> people ask me for opinions about paint, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Just just paint it and write it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, all right. Well, then let me ask you if uh, if you could paint, and I know you have a a, a plethora of bikes, but um, if you could paint a bike, however you wanted to do it, what what would what would it be then? Your own bike, or <laughs> uh, yeah. the the last one was uh, a pale pink with with a simple white logo. Yeah, that was pretty gorgeous. Like yeah, most of my bikes are just a single color. Um, but if you were to go crazy, what? what <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, the, the craziest I've gone on my, one of my personal bikes, and it purely because it was going to be a show bike, is um, my mountain bike that has all uh, uh, topo lines. Oh, that was the topo lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of fun. That was um, cool. I just did a customer bike with that where he's actually got the actual topographical map of the roads he rides. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. So he sent me a photo of the bike like with the hills in the background. I'm like, okay, that, that's actually kind of That's cool. really cool. Yeah, huh. yeah. I feel like there's more, there's so much more I would want to talk about, about your bikes and about your process and everything. But um, maybe we reserve that for a, a later episode. Uh, would you come on again and, and, and be a reoccurring... Do the do the deep dive into bike tech. We can slowly <laughs> slowly div- dive into this. Yeah, you'd be my 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 resident tech tech expert. Yeah, yeah it'd be yeah. great. Okay, cool. Well, we'll we'll dive a little deeper into that um, later on for all of the bike geeks out there. Um, the like four of them that tune into this podcast, but maybe more after this. Who knows? You know, I have I have you on. Um, all right, so superficial questions, but. Uh, what is your favorite bicycle? Period. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this. It's one, probably the one I'm riding. Um, so that depends on the day. <laughs> that's, that's a, <laughs> the, one I've, the one I've just ridden. That's a cop-out um, answer. Okay, well then what did you ride today? <laughs> <laughs> so today I rode my, uh, my belt drive uh, winter road bike with the built-in pannier rack with my panniers full of stuff and uh-huh. um, ran a bunch of errands and uh, rode it in the rain and didn't care. Um, and that's awesome. Isn't it nice um, to have a dedicated well, rain bike? God, there's nothing oh, better. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> um, and that's something that is interesting, disparity between England and America. Hmm. So in England, when I you know, joined the club scene and stuff, um, nobody would ever bring their race bike on a club ride like nope you bring your training bike and sure it's got fenders and it's crappy and it's like <laughs> and that's what you ride got the old broken and, stuff and the worn out chain rings and, and everything yeah whatever yeah like sure um because it's training right and you save your best stuff for race day um yeah that's not a so thing it was, here it was very bizarre when i first came to eugene and rocked up to the first group ride on my in it was in january or something like on my bike with fenders and rack and lights and you know mm-hmm. completely filthy and like and these guys out on their race bikes in january i'm like what are you doing it's just like um i i, I i've always done that of having ever since i because i you know I, when i got the the carbon race bike i still had my bottom of the range trek because my training bike mm-hmm. um and when you ride the the heavy slow bike all winter, and then you pull the Nike out in the spring. Oh yeah. Ooh. And particularly when you only pull it out on race day, mm-hmm. the psychological advantage is huge. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's like okay, now I'm going to go fast. <laughs> I was I was out riding yesterday, and I was coming. Um, I was riding out Lorraine right before it um, stops that T intersection to to Territorial on like the backside of coming up and over welders and um so i had just uh gone down the backside of fox hollow and i was waiting for cars to cross and i saw um two local guys mark hibbard and dave demarco flying down welders doing 30 30 plus miles an hour Mm -hmm. and i thought yeah okay let's let's have a crack at this so i (laughs) cross the road after the cars go by I, i put a foot down like i was waiting for this like string of cars to go by 
and and I was watching the mile signs, and I'm like, okay, they're like 10 seconds, 30 seconds, okay, 45 seconds, <laughs> and I get on there, and I'm on my winter bike with, it technically has three fenders on it, um, with 40 right. mil tires, with heavy, heavy wheels, that thing's, that thing's a beast, um, and I caught them and passed them at 33 miles an hour, and then I drug them <laughs> all the way down to the stop sign and they were continuing on to do the thursday night loop and then i just stopped and turned around and went back i was like all right i'm gonna stay guys I'll see you later but you're right like it is it is very satisfying one to to do that um mm-hmm. well to to old men <laughs> do that to the old dudes in the town um but two to do it on your winter bike because you know like i knew in the back of my mind i was like oh if only i was on my my wind, my my race bike, like uh, I'd, I'd be just demolishing these guys, and they were on their their race bikes because it was a sunny day mm-hmm. yesterday. Sure. Um, so yeah, oh, I get it, I get it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of traveling with my bike Friday over the years, um, uh-huh. and people don't, most people don't understand that this small wheeled bike is actually a, a proper road bike. Sure. Um, and so I've shown up at like fast group rides all over the world on this bike and just been dismissed out of hand as like <laughs> people won't even talk to me right and it's like and then i show them a clean pair of wheels <laughs> and they're just like oh my god someone on a clown bike just rode away from us it's like <laughs> with hairy legs <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it's pretty entertaining <laughs> that's great yeah um you rode um hpvs for a while too you were you were into that pretty heavily too weren't you yeah and actually that was when you're asking about favorite bike, um, in many ways, my favorite bike is the recumbent tandem I built for me and my wife to ride together. Yeah. Um, because recumbent tandem, you're both you're both recumbent. Yeah. On, on, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, right. because my wife has trouble with her her neck and her wrist, so uh-huh. we had an upright tandem, and it just you know she just just got uncomfortable. Sure. Um, but on the recumbent, she's. You know, she can ride all day. It's mm-hmm. great, and we can be together. And um, mm-hmm. that ability to go and have adventures with her, like that's that's a great bike. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, but I um, so the the bike I built when I was fifteen was a recumbent. I was kind of intrigued by by these things. Um, that was your first bike. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yep, it was terrible, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you were 15, fifteen, so. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for my master's project, I uh, I did a project about pedaling in a with an elliptical foot motion instead of a circle, um, which involved uh, different a, than. Oh, wait, hang on for a second. So different than an elliptical chain ring. So your foot is actually tracing an ellipse. The pedal is okay. tracing an ellipse. Okay. So right. it's a it's a, a two piece crank on each side with a second timing chain that causes that motion oh okay um, all right and that design was uh created by this little company called king cycle that made recumbents <clears throat> mm-hmm. and so i contacted them and worked with them and i made you know made a test rig with three different levels of ellipse and did some mm-hmm. testing and you know that, that whole project but that, that got me in contact with king cycle and i was like hey you know have you got any do you need anyone to race a bike and they're like oh well yeah here you go <laughs> so it gave me <laughs> Um, lent me a, a front-wheel drive um, uh, recumbent race bike, um, mm-hmm. and I showed up to a, the, one of the British uh, circuit races on the recumbents, and 
it was really fun to go that fast. Um, what what and, kind of uh, speeds do you hit? I mean, obviously faster than you do on a road bike. Yeah, on the unfaired bike, I could average 30 mile an hour wow. um, around these circuits. And, um, but there are these guys with fairings on that were passing me, and it's like, damn it. <laughs> so I finished that first race, I was like, hey, can I get a fairing on this thing? And they're like, yeah, okay. So they had these, um, they put a nose cone and a tail cone on and stretched this fabric over. And then okay. So you've got this, this bag fairing with your head sticking out. <laughs> and, um, oh, God, you were one of those. Oh, awful. <laughs> oh man, but the speed. I know. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so now now I can average thirty five to forty mile an hour. That um, big of a difference? Wow. Oh it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, fairings. I mean this is why it, it just makes me laugh anytime anyone's talking about oh how aerodynamic this road road or time trial bike is. Oh, I'm like, sure. nope. <laughs> That's a mess aerodynamically. Um It's it's the pursuit like you said earlier, it's the pursuit of aerodynamic <laughs> perfection. <laughs> yeah, just so far away. <laughs> Um, but I went to the I went end up going to the the World Championships in Belgium in 2001. Okay. Um, and uh, they had the the 60 kilometer road race was round this rowing lake. So it's these long straights and you know, around the corners at the end there was mm-hmm. cobbles and back down the other side. And the, the day of the road race was hammering rain, and so anyone who had a windshield on their bike was kind of in trouble. Sure. Um, me with my head out was in in better shape, um, <laughs> and uh, and I took the lead in this race and just motored round it and um, ended up winning by about five minutes I think. And my teammate actually came second. Um, wow. And uh, that's quite the game. It was super fun. Yeah. I had a, the police motorcycle escort, and when I when I pulled over after the end, on the motorcycles came over and like the policeman wanted to look inside the the bag and see he was like where's your motor like, you're right oh, just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just my legs in it. just me and my old legs man <laughs> <laughs> um so uh so yeah that stuff was pretty fun and um that's cool i got involved with building a bike for an hour record attempt mm-hmm. um and unfortunately i never got to make a an hour attempt in that bike because we struggled to find a track to run it on okay. um because you can't <laughs> I, I did take it around manchester one time but yeah, you know, these bikes are set up to do fifty plus mile an hour, and but that on, a, on a two hundred fifty meter track. Yeah, sure. So I, I got it up to like forty five mile an hour around the tra- around Manchester, and the G forces in the corners were just insane. It was oh, I bet. like was being compressed. Um, so you really need these big uh, car testing circuits, and they need to be perfectly smooth and perfectly flat. And trying to find that and then have access to it is really difficult. Sure. Um, I mean, you need what you need an F one circuit is what you need. It's kind no, of no, too many corners. For. It needs to oh, be the, less technical. The, okay, the big ovals that like the car. You need the the use. NASCAR the where they do the Indy five hundred. Yeah, that kind, kind of, of circuit. Yeah, that yeah. kind of circuit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and then when I ended up in the states, um, I hooked up with these this couple in from Ohio or somewhere maybe, um, but they had one of the Varna race bikes which is uh built in canada that uh sam whittingham rode to multiple um world records mm-hmm. and they had one of the older bikes and they'd worked on it and they needed a ride on somehow i got in touch with them and um ended up doing two hour record attempts in uh arizona okay on the nissan nissan test circuit there mm-hmm. and um 
actually managed to set a new British record. I, I pedaled just over 50 miles in one hour. Okay. Um, wow. And uh, oh, well I'm done. still I'm yeah. still currently the British re- British hour record holder. You still have <laughs> it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So if anyone tells you it's Bradley Wiggins, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I would like to go back to that stuff at some point. Um, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. That would be cool. Didn't yeah. you have a, a world record, a speed record too? No, I never had a world record. I had the British sprint record. Um, sprint record, so I okay. Did, I, did, I did 68 mile an hour Jesus. In, the, in the Flying 200. Um, <laughs> the next day I was doing 70 and uh and crashed through the traps there's some pretty if you look up uh rob english mango crash uh you can see some pretty entertaining can i put that link in the show notes if i find it yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. it's up on youtube um Uh, you were okay after that crash though yeah yeah fortunately oh good okay yeah good um so uh yeah yeah the sprint record and the AR record are the two the two main ones and i i held both for a while um wow that's great yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much more that I could keep talking with you about. We're just coming up a little over an hour, um, but knowing that I'm going to coerce you into coming onto this uh, multiple times, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I have to ask you every question under the sun right now. <laughs> However, I do have some speed round questions that um, I've been asking all of my. Um, uh, reluctant participants no they've been less than reluctant <laughs> all of my all of my interviewees um in on uh on this thing so are you ready for for a couple of speed round questions to wrap this thing up sure um all right five songs you can't live without uh so this is somewhat continually evolving but um Currently, I would say um, Overkill by Colin Hay. Okay. Uh, Sky Full of Stars by Coldplay. Um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this because it's French, but um, La Ritonelle. Okay. I pronounce it by, um, by Sebastian Tellier. Okay. Um, Wave by Megan Trainer and American Boy by Estelle. All right, well done. All right. You're, you're the first person to actually give me a straight answer for that, so thank you. Well, you, did, you, gave, you, did, you gave me a, a little bit of a heads up, which helped. <laughs> um, f- <laughs> favorite movie? Uh, really hard, because it depends. Doesn't matter, so I need since, one. Since, yeah, yeah, since we've been talking about bike racing, my, <laughs> my go-to watch the night before a bike race uh-huh. to psych myself up is The Replacements. The Replacements, okay. Yeah. I still haven't seen it, but it's on my watch list. I, Good. I will watch it. Good. Um, mm-hmm. What's the last book you read? Uh, oh, some just uh, pop uh, or pulp, pulp fiction Jack Reacher oh, nice. uh, novel. But the more interesting answer is uh, a book called The Perfectionists. Okay, what's um, that about? By, by Simon Winchester, which is uh, the history of um, accuracy. Huh. It's, fascin- it's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, who do you admire the most? This is really hard like, to actually think about this. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I'm asking I, the I, questions and not having to answer them. Uh, you, your, your, your turn will come. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think 
and I gave this a lot of thought, and I hope it's not a cop out answer, but I think my wife. It's not a cop out answer. (laughs) Her selflessness um, and drive to help people and animals is something I have so much admiration for. Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's no, that's great. Um, I. I love how much thought you've put into this because uh, um, I, I can tell. Like, I can tell that you've really put, put some effort into, into thinking about <laughs> these questions. Um, so I, I thank you for that. Um, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite mantra or both? Um, I'm not a mantra person particularly. Okay. Um, the, only one, the only one I've ever used is when I uh, lived in New Zealand where it's so windy. Um, my buddy gave me the mantra of, like, Headwinds make me stronger. Headwinds make me stronger. Headwinds make me <laughs> yeah, stronger. Yeah, that's fair. Because there were, there were days where I'd ride, where I was doing point-to-point rides, and it would just be like head down in the drops going mm-hmm. to do 11 mile an hour for hour after hour after hour. Just everything you have. At, <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, everything you can just sustain at least, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, favorite quote? I don't know if it's a favorite one. One I use often yeah. is um, that... And I don't even know who, who said it first, but mm-hmm. that the bicycle is a marriage of the machine that is somewhat adjustable and the body that is somewhat adaptable. Ooh, that's good. Um, so that's when I tell my clients of like, yeah, there is, with, there is no right position. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just the best position we can achieve for you. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah. Um, favorite piece of kit? This one was easy this time of year. Um, Gore-Tex shake dry, shake dry jacket. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Finally, having a rain jacket that actually keeps me dry mm-hmm. and does and I don't overheat mm-hmm. has been absolutely incredible. I would pay any amount of money to have one of those jackets. Well, you do have one. Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when that one eventually dies, you will buy another one. I will buy another okay. one, and I will not regret paying a huge amount of money for a piece of clothing fair enough shake dry jacket noted mm-hmm. uh favorite ride snack um uh pancakes um <laughs> what what's on them oh just just plain vegan pancakes nothing no like just no like, berries no no chocolate sauce no done yeah, yeah okay all right straight pancakes i like that all right D- uh, not 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 on the road. Yeah, keep it easy. What, yeah. So, what is it on the road then? What's your favorite riding food? Well, that's why that when there's leftover pancakes from breakfast, Ooh. and I throw them in a baggie and stick mm-hmm. them in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah. I do that with waffles yeah. when we have waffles on the on on this mm-hmm. morning. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Are you? Well, we talked about training. Um. We talked a little bit about that. Um. Is there anything that you um, you want to talk about? I mean, I, I always want to want to open the floor up to to anyone that that agrees to be <laughs> to give up their their time and and agrees to be on this this little show with me. Um, like, is is I mean, this is your your interview and, and your time. If if there's anything, or is there anything you want to want to talk about or bring up or or anything um, like that? Uh, there doesn't have to be. Well, just yeah, it can be. So um, I'd say that the the little secret of 
get a bit performing well on the bike yeah is a vegan diet yes and like period end of story yeah yes <laughs> it's i think uh, three of the fastest people in town are, are vegan and that's not a coincidence like my my performance increased when i i was already vegetarian when i cut the dairy out too mm-hmm. like performance went up it, yeah, ease of keeping lean went up um recovery went got better sure um so from a performance standpoint it's the way to go and from the sake of the environment and the sake of the animals it's the way to go absolutely so, yeah um, yeah that's always my little you you were my little soapbox my yeah. you, you convinced me to to make the change over to to be a, a vegan to, to make to adopt a plant-based diet and a plant-based lifestyle mm-hmm. and that was we've known each other for what almost i was thinking about this earlier um <laughs> like uh we've known each other for almost eight years now Oh, which wow. is crazy, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> but uh, which is about as... Um, no, we've known each other longer than that because we've been vegan for almost, for about eight years. And I've known you sp- since before that. So maybe we're going on like almost a, almost a decade relationship. Wow, yeah. Rob, this is getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that, that since I made that change over, I've never felt better. I've never had um, this kind of performance boost, if, if, if you can call it that. I guess I don't have a better, better way to call it it. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Veganist. Yeah, it's like, it's like the... The best kept secret, right? And it, it shouldn't be secret because it's right. it's it's just a win-win for everybody. Who are the three fastest know. people in Eugene? Well, you know we haven't raced this year, but like <laughs> <laughs> me, you, and Stephen well, are definitely that's fair. up 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 amongst the fastest in town. <laughs> I would I would say. But you, yeah, okay, all right, all right, that's fair. You split your time. You're like between here and, and Cottage Grove, though, so you're. I, I guess you can still lay claim. You still have you still have property in, in yeah okay. You still have claim to Eugene. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, well, if 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 that's all you want to plug, I'm going to shamelessly plug my little project again uh, on this episode. And um, yeah, I know we've talked about this a bit. And I had a coworker finally convince me to launch a GoFundMe campaign to try and and pursue this Olympic. Um pathway and try and identify an Olympic pathway. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening to this, um, check out the GoFundMe campaign. Um, you can find it, uh, there's a link in the show notes and there's, um, you know, a whole bio. You can connect with me on my athlete page on Instagram at Andrew underneath Andrew Neil Nunez or through the podcast at not last podcast. Um, but I'm trying to, trying to gather some funds to, to race this season and and hopefully outline a pathway that will open up more funding um, through some larger organizations and through the Chilean um, uh, Olympic uh, Federation to to try and race um, towards the Paris 2024 Games. Um, so, how much do we have to donate to have you get the tattoo on your forehead? Forehead's going to be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> there you go. This is put. It's been a number on it. There you go. There you go, folks. There's the challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, 
but uh, so I'm trying to raise twenty five thousand dollars to do to do a little bit of racing, and that is like bare bones kind of thing um, uh, to race to race with and travel with. The travel is just a killer. It is so expensive to to try and travel to these things. Um, yeah, you just have to you have to ride your bike to races. You see, that's the key. But yeah, but it gets a little bit more challenging when they're abroad. when you're going to Chile, like they're a little <laughs> further away. Um, <laughs> We were in, we, we're currently making making plans for um, the Chilean um, Federation was just re um, federated through the UCI. Found that out this uh, about two or three about three weeks ago. They just refederated the the Chilean Federation, and they posted the dates and um, and locations for the road national championships, the time trial national championships, and the cross country mountain bike national championships. So. Um, they're starting up again, and I've been talking with my team in Chile um, to try and make preparations to go. Uh, where they open the country back up, COVID numbers are a little more under control there, um, at least better than, than they are here right now. And so they've, they've been able to open the country up if you can pass a, a negative test within 72 hours. So you don't have to quarantine to come into the country. Um, some places are still quarantining and whatnot, but... Um, yeah, so there's there's um, suddenly a lot more optimism to be able to actually go and race in in the spring in in March and April. Um, yeah, yeah, great. It could be cool. Yeah. Um. Well, once again, um, it has been a pleasure <laughs> to have uh, to have you on the show. Uh, I I really enjoy our little talks. I know we talk a lot. It's just nice to to finally record it and then I have you on record saying things that if we get in an argument then I can refer back to this <laughs> um, so I have <laughs> I have irrefutable proof of, of, of our conversation um, and yeah thanks thanks for coming on Rob yeah thanks for having me Andrew um, and uh, let's ride soon eh? okay sounds good yeah. okay bye bye thanks for tuning in to the Not Last Podcast be sure to subscribe new episodes drop weekly Follow us on Instagram at notlast underscore podcast. This podcast is produced solely by me. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends. The music for this podcast was generously permitted by the illustrious Flamingosis. My amazing artwork was created by the extremely talented Paige Anochibar. Give them a follow, and as always, be sure to support local artists. You can find and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, and really anywhere else you get your podcasts. Be sure to listen in. I'm excited you're here, and I hope you'll come back soon. Say bye, Rob. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, do you want a do you want a decal for your bike? I'm like, oh, that'd be fun, yeah. Sure. And he came back the next day with this English with a little flag, and I'm like, oh yeah, slap that on. <laughs> and that was so, it. Yeah, no, no. So I, never, I wasn't intending to have a company at that point. It was just like, oh, it'd be fun to have a name on it. <laughs> um, and he did the little flag to sort of, without any input from me, um, and I just rolled with it. <laughs> it's like accidental branding. Oh, how funny.
Yeah. I thought you put like, some like deep market research into this of, <laughs> of like, this is how we're going to form English cycles and it's going to be my name and it's going to be so quintessential and timeless and I'm going to have this blue and white color palette. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't even choose the font or anything. Like, <laughs> um, and, uh, and the blue has just happened to be the powder coat we had at Bike Friday that I liked. The English blue? Um, so, yeah. The oh, baby wow. blue is just, that was a color I'd got at, I'd got for Bike Friday because like, we're talking about what colors to add. Misha was like, a oh, baby blue would be nice. I'm like, oh, I've got to find a baby blue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of like, not trying to force anything. Sure. Because I, I didn't, didn't plan on having a bike company and just like, it just right. kind of happened. It just um, happens, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one one episode Lauren made me promise never to do is an episode on injuries with the two of us. She's like, I can't do this. You can't do this. And I was like, okay, fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're not going to talk about this. Yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not put people off riding their bikes. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Detract from my low followership. I just had 500 downloads this morning I do. That's with awesome. my holiday gift guide. You should, if you haven't already, oh, you I should missed, listen I, to the holiday yeah, I did, gift guide. I did, I did, and I... At the start of this thing, I meant to give you my my contributing contributing dad joke. Oh, um, what's your dad joke? Uh, do you know there's? A, I used your advent calendar. I heard joke. that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so we all know that um, Albert Einstein was a complete genius, um, mm-hmm. but what people don't realize is his lesser known brother, who was just terrible, um, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the way it's awful wait, wait, waiting for the penny to drop. <laughs> That's horrible. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. All right. Uh, and then how about the uh <laughs> that was you know there was did you hear about there was a big there was a big shipwreck. There was the um the the one boat that was carrying blue paint and the one boat that was carrying red paint and uh all the sailors got marooned. those are good i yeah yeah i'll have to do i'll have to keep keep um inserting some 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 of the ones you did were terrible oh they're so bad (laughs) and i had no like laughing i thought about putting a laugh track behind it or like a like a but um but um I was just like, no, I think it's better if they're just dry. <laughs> just let it just sit there. <laughs> Either people are going to hate this. I looked, this I looked and around and the tumbleweed was going across the workshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, good. So, so that, that was kind of what I was going for. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Great. Awesome. All right, sir. Okay. Well, uh, have a good night. Thanks again. Yep. And I will chat with you soon. You will. All right. Thanks. Good night. Good night.